that little thing. Yeah. And then if you don't have reverse, it's because you have flex enabled. So click more first. More. There you go. Reverse. I see it. Last one. All right. Here we go. Ready to go. All right, we're rolling. I uh, I started recording because that was kind of a cool little behind the scenes teaching a producer how to do something. <laughs> cool. But, um, all right, man, Alex CSA, thank you so much for taking the time to come be on the podcast. Um, for those who don't know, you go by the Grand Mess, and you are the producer of the track that my artist Orin Major just put out um, and was placed on the Netflix show Love, Death, and Hip Hop's the very first opening song, season two. Was it? Love that. What did I say? You said love. It was gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> love, death, and robots. Sorry. Yeah, the animated kind of black mirror-ish uh, show that's on Netflix. But yeah, man, I um I heard about it and then I turned on the Netflix and it was literally the third option when I went in and I clicked on it and within 30 seconds, right after the theme song, I heard the song come on and I was like. Yeah. it was so surreal it was such a weird feeling did you watch it, was, it? yeah so I've, i haven't seen all of it yet i'm a big fan of the show i <laughs> i like i love season one and um I'm, I'm maybe two or three episodes into season two and i'm still loving it but like you say it was so surreal to like yeah like yeah 20 seconds in like the, so first of all we knew that the song we like got confirmation that it was going to be in the show like 30 hours before <laughs> yeah. the ship went live so we were rushing to get everything, you know, like made, making sure everything was was done for it. Right. Um, but they told us that it was going to be like episode two or something like in the middle there. And and yeah, you start the show and the first thing you hear is that like the horns coming in and you're like, oh, this is the first thing that people are going to hear right. when they start the show. Yeah. yeah and, and we talked a little bit about it um, before the podcast on how it was probably Oren's line where he said, I can't be human and it just fit perfectly because it's about robots. Yeah. Know? And so it's like, you never know what's going to work. And then just the, yeah, the beat was so hard and it just fit perfectly with the scene. And, but yeah, just a crazy feeling. And then also <clears throat> what was wild was that both Oren and I, we talked about it. We've had friends that aren't really fans of Oren, but know him who watched the show just because they like the show and they're like, wait a minute, that sounds like Orin, like not even hardcore fans, but they recognize his voice. They reached out. Um, and so it kind of got a lot of people on board, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, like, and I was talking about that with a couple of friends too, is like kind of that uh, superimposition of, of music with anything else that's cultural seems to like make a bigger, the music seems to make a bigger impact. Right. So you look at a show like Love, Death and Robots that has this like super cult following of like a lot of artists, you know, a lot of like visual artists. And then following that, just a lot of like regular people who are just watching Netflix. Like, I think that that song, starting with that song and like Oren goes hard on it, it kind of made this impact that people were like, oh, hold up. Like, this is a show that I love. I'm really hyped for the new season. What is this song that yeah. is like starting the whole, my whole experience? You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. And it's such a good placement at the very beginning because it feels like it represents the show and it introduces the new experience of the new season. And that's why we saw all those Twitter posts of people saying, I was just watching this show, but I had to pause to go figure out what this song was. And yeah. it's crazy, man. You guys, you guys nailed it. You made the perfect song for this opportunity. Um, and I want to take it back. So like, it's crazy that only 30 hours before the show came out, they made it official but also i was going back to look at uh the emails and it was june 2019 when we sent this song uh to to heavy hitters and it's it's kind of like a lesson in patience and never really knowing when something's going to pay off oh, absolutely um yeah heavy so heavy hitters is is our our sync rep agency that orin and i are have been writing for now for i guess over over two years yeah um but yeah sync is really interesting that way um and how you say that like you you do get the perfect like we got the perfect placement yeah it took two years yeah you know this is this is kind of the the world of of, of getting your music and like tv shows movies ads is like you write as much as you can it's a numbers game and then mm -hmm. you forget about them and you wait and you wait and you wait and like that's what happened you know with 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 Oren. you know we, we wrote a lot of songs for sync and 
And, you know, I, I like got on a couple calls with Oren, not because he was discouraged. He was always had like a really positive attitude about it, mm. but just to make sure that he, that he knew that like this shit takes time, like for the right placement to come along. And also for the music supervisors to keep seeing your name, you know, like right. the first time they saw Oren, they were like, okay, cool. Like a rapper. Yeah. He sounds good. Let me save that song for later. But then you start seeing him every like week or two weeks in their in you know the email blasts to the music supervisors you start kind of to pay attention and then that leads to the perfect placement you know for the perfect song yeah Yeah. it's it's patience and persistence slash consistency right like being persistent making as many songs as you can and continuing to deliver on that quality until they get to know you guys as artists and they they look to you for you know placements in the future um mm-hmm. but if we and that's kind of for everything too because you know his first song that got a million streams spice that had been out for months before it started picking up and then all of a sudden it's gaining traction it's going off and so it's one of those things where you never want to count something out just because it didn't immediately happen um, Absolutely. but yeah let's go back man because so the way we met, right, was a, a cold DM from from you, Alex, yeah. just saying, hey, I've been following you for a little bit. I'm a producer. I'd love to work with something. Um, and, you know, we started talking and my first memory was making a song with your beat. I made a song like I'm not really yeah. an artist, but I made a song called Smoke and I, I liked it and Oren listened to it. And then ever since then, we've been like pretty connected. And out of the blue, I, I feel like you messaged me um, asking if Orin would want to get involved in some syncs. So mm-hmm. what, I mean, from your side, what happened? What was your <laughs> So the funny part, and that like, I'm not, that's not a dig at all. Like, yeah. but the funny part is I DM'd you, I think like three times. Oh, really? Before like I got an answer. Oh my God. But it's like, but you know, that's not like, that's not a dig on you. Like, I know you're busy and like, I know that like you're really active on, on socials and you you I mean you must get like 10 fucking cold dms you know a day yeah so I like never took it like and it, your instagram really makes me laugh when you kind of like put these dudes on blast that like oh, just yeah. send you like put me on or yeah, whatever yeah. <laughs> um but no I yeah I dm'd you one time and you I think you you were like oh yeah send you know send beats to there mm-hmm. and then you posted a story being like oh I'm looking for beats right right and then I sent you this like batch of beats then then you found the beat was called coloring but you right. yeah, then it became smoke yeah and uh, that's kind of how we got uh, introduced and i think like the 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 first part that kind of built our relationship i think was was that idea that like we didn't ex- expect anything from each other it was always just very amicable to be like oh yeah okay so i sent the first batch of beats i didn't hear back he's asking for more beats i got more beats like let's kind of keep this you know rolling and um then after smoke came out um i was starting to get more involved in the sync world Mm. and i was starting to to build a closer relationship with uh jess at heavy hitters who's like one of my favorite people i mean especially right now um (laughs) and uh she was starting to to have a little more influence uh in reshaping heavy hitters music group and she was saying that she needed uh like heavy hitters is is, is a company that's been around for a long time that has a a good reputation uh but they haven't really built much with the times because because they were able to kind of keep coasting on on Mm -hmm. on like earlier successes and jess is that's not how she rolls um and she decided she was like no no we're gonna rebuild their whole r&b hip-hop catalog and uh she reached out to me to see if i wanted to be a part of it and i was like yeah i have the perfect you know i have the perfect people to reach out to and oren came to mind and it was also an opportunity for me because i liked what you were doing on socials i liked oren's music and i was like okay well that's a way that like i know that they're going to notice me right because i can straight up be like like I, here's an opportunity for you to be in the sync world right away right and kind yeah. of like tie myself to you guys in that way yeah and that was exactly i mean it was a very organic connection um we didn't expect anything from each other and it was really just about making music like mm-hmm. i wanted some beats i wanted to just kind of get some emotions out um ended up making the song and then 
yeah, when you had the opportunity to present us with some value, you did it and it blew us away. And, you know, of course it, it just formed a really good relationship. Um, and I wanted to pause because I didn't know you sent me three messages. I think even <laughs> when I was looking, I didn't see them, but um, it's funny because Oren also sent me more than one uh, cold message before I responded to him too. <laughs> so it's kind Damn, of look at that. <laughs> yeah. That, the persistence thing is so important. And, you know, like you said, I do get a lot of messages and what really stands out is people who follow up because, you know, if you care to actually get in touch, you will follow up. And I'm big on following up myself for any opportunities that I'm going after. So it's, it's a very important thing. Um, but I want to take it back to how you first got involved with heavy hitters and Jess. Mm. <clears throat> yeah, that's, um, that's an interesting story. So I started, so I went to, I got, I have to take it a while back. Um, so I went to I went to jazz school. Um, okay. So I was studying jazz voice and jazz piano in in uh, New York, and um, like around the end of when I was about to graduate, I was like, man, I'm not the best jazz musician. Like I was going to school with cats who were like playing with the Roots and playing on like the Tonight Show and wow. stuff and touring the world already. And I was like, yeah, I cannot. I like I'm not competing with these dudes, and I was not down with the like starving musician. I, like I didn't find any romanticism in the starving musician mentality. So I started uh, trying to write for ads, like music just for ads. Like you get a pitch and they're like, hey, we need this in five hours. It has to sound like Katy Perry, but not enough that we were gonna get sued. Right. Um, and working in these studios, I met this guy, Wes Hutchinson, who is I think 15 years, 15, 20 years older than me. Okay. And he'd been around for a while doing you know, that type of stuff. He'd been a freelance musician and he'd gotten uh, a few like good uh, sync placements. And he saw me producing a bunch of stuff and he was like, let's let's like start a sync project. Like, let's huh. like, let me show you kind of this this world where you can you can make money and you can make music. Right. Which is kind of like the only two things I was trying to do was <laughs> make music and not starve doing it. Right. Um, and so I was working during the day, like editing sound designing writing like and most of the time writing for no money because if you don't win and you're not like a on-staff writer you're not getting like a demo fee you're not getting shit for it and then at night we would write at the same studio like when they like shut down for the day we would stick around and uh write for sync and we started he was kind of a like folk dude Wes, so we started writing more into this like rock space which is not my bag like at all um but from these tunes that we made so we made like three four tracks that we released on soundcloud and starting pitching to music supervisors uh, from from those songs we got signed to a really boutique agency uh sync agency in la and we flew out to la to meet them and have a bunch of sessions with like other their other artists but we also had sessions with a bunch of like wes's connections mm. one of which was jess um mm. Okay. Jess has been making music like for as long as she's been alive. She was an artist. She was signed to, to Geffen as like her own artist. Huh. And then she started writing a bunch for Sync. And um, we had a session together and it, we like really meshed working together. And she was super supportive of my own stuff, The Grand Mess, which I was like super, super shy about. Like I was like not open to sharing any of that. It was me singing. So I felt I felt really vulnerable. It was like kind of like weird, weirder production and everything like that. It was really kind of like my my like little ego, yeah. like hidden. Uh, and she she was super supportive about it, like from jump. And uh, I think that that like of course made me made me really like her and and trust her for a lot of that. And um, when we were building this relationship, at first she would only she would. <laughs> she would ask for things like uh, hey do you have you know it's friday like seven la time you know four uh, seven new york time four la right. time and she was like hey do you have um like uh, reggaeton tracks that you could you know that just lying around that you could send me like before end of day <laughs> <laughs> and i would be like oh hell yeah and just just like as fast as i could i would make like as many tracks like i didn't have i didn't have reggaeton shit lying around yeah at all <laughs> Like, and every time that she would ask like, hey, do you have, you know, X lying around? <laughs> I would just yes. lie. 
lie through my teeth and be like, yeah, yeah, I got that. And then just, just try to, try to make it, make it happen. Um, which of course never landed me any sinks because <laughs> I was just making it, but I think we built that relationship that way. And then, uh, we started, you know, with Oren really building that relationship out more and starting getting hits. And then I started sending her the grand mess stuff and, uh, we really just slowly built out that relationship like project by project and not like kind of not her giving me more than I can chew and not not me at the same time like asking for more than she needed from me at the time right yeah yeah I, well so that's interesting because you decided really early on to target sinks I mean with ads right so like what what led you to that conclusion aside from not wanting to be a starving artist? Like, where did you first come up with the idea? Like, I'm going to make music for this so that I can try and, you know, make some money off of it. Mm, that's a good question. I think a part of it. So part of me, part of like cocky 17 year old me thought it was easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which like, I found out it's not, you have like killer musicians who are making music for ads. Right. Like, and they really know how the game works. Um, so yeah, part of me, honestly, part of me thought it was just going to be easy money. Yeah. Like, and it really wasn't. <laughs> um, and the other part is, I think I, I like at new school, the school I went to, you could pick your own teacher. Hmm. Like you could, you could basically have private lessons with whoever's in New York. Um, and, uh, one of my friends was having sessions with one of like Lady Gaga's producers. And he was like, yeah, I'm a jazz musician, but I'm not trying to play the jazz bars like <laughs> just like that. And uh, I thought that was really smart. And I found through a friend this uh, this really successful, uh, you know, writer for ads and a really amazing singer named Julie Hardy. Mm. And I just started taking lessons with her, like about like how to write for any type of media mm. and kind of like to start exploring those spaces where music is without us really realizing that it's there right which i think is also kind of a a bigger exploration of like who i am as a person like i i tend to do better working in the shadows hmm. than uh, than like uh, out front which is something that now i'm 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 working more on to be like up front but yeah i think the whole world really appealed to me because i could be in my cave in my studio right. for as long as i wanted and just be making you know, music. All right. Well, get ready to step out because uh, <laughs> the song had like 20,000 Shazams in the last two days. Something like that. It's charting everywhere. Um, it's just, it's yeah. insane. And I'm just really proud of you guys. Um, but you did mention earlier something about like, they want a song that sounds like blank, but a little different because mm -hmm. I want to talk about what syncs are musically, because I don't think a lot of artists really understand what they are. So from my understanding, at least there's two types. There's, uh, I guess, like a reference type where they say, we want this Nicki Minaj song, but a little bit different. And so you make mm -hmm. something similar with a similar energy and theme and all that. Um, and then there's the other kind where you just send random songs and they yeah. have a chance. So can you break down kind of the differences and, and like what a sync is from your perspective? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, man, uh, or a really good topic to bring up. Um, so the, I think the sync world before my time used to be a lot more like we want this song, this really popular song, but we don't want to pay, you know, we don't want to pay $150,000 right. for it. So can you make us a song that sounds kind of similar that we can use? Uh, I think that th that world is kind of pretty quickly dying out ah, okay one of one of the reasons is because you get a lot of lawsuits right now um <laughs> okay like so i don't i don't really get i don't get those emails of like we need a song that sounds like x mm -hmm. I, the best i'll get is like a playlist of like eight references reference ah, tracks okay you know and maybe they'll all be in in the same mood but you know the thing i'll get is like we need confident rap like mm that's so tell me one rap song that's not confident like, <laughs> yeah. you know um yeah. so that type of sync that you're talking about i i anyways for for me personally and for kind of the people that i'm working with mm. is 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 dying out pretty quickly okay. and i'm not mad at that i think yeah. that that's kind of something that 
that needs to to go a little bit. One of the reasons why I think it's going too is because the music supervisors, so the people who pick the music that goes in the show, those people are hired by the show, right? They are really good at smelling bullshit. Mm. They like they can tell when you just did the track to try and get the the check, right? Like they're 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 really really solid at that. Um, and then, like you said, the other types of sinks that exist. Also, I don't know if we made this clear, but sync is just getting <laughs> it's from synchronized, basically getting your music and anything that's that's broadcast. So mm. yeah, TV, music, ads, all that stuff. Mm. Um, the other type of sync is just like I'm an artist and I'm signed to a label. I'm, I have a pub deal. I have a distro deal. I have a sync deal mm. and I'm sending my music out to and you know i'm sending my music to my sync deal and then they're sending it to the you know the the right um the right people for the right shows hopefully mm. um and that's kind of what you know that's that's kind of what we have with Oren in a way in the sense that like i send tracks that i think would do well for sync and that would do well with Oren, and then we we uh you know we make songs and we try to build them and it's still Oren being Oren, and it's still me being me but in the back of our heads, we kind of have this idea that like, no, no, we're, we're, we are trying to get synced for that. So then we have to start thinking about all these rules, mm. like, you know, these unwritten rules that sync has in order to get the placements. What are, Basically. what are some of those rules? Okay. So if, so in the hip hop world is like, it's different animal uh -huh. because hip hop is pretty new to sync. Mm. Like, I think that like, you look at insecure, that was one of the, like the, the first shows that really brought like hip-hop and r&b into the like tv right you know tv series stream but uh for hip-hop i think it has to it can't be like too classic trappy okay. because that has too much of a dark and um like textural feel to it there's nothing you can really hook on to it's mm -hmm. hard to imagine a scene that's not in a space where you would already have hip-hop playing like the obvious thing that i think of is like a strip club mm -hmm. if you have a scene in a strip club there's going to be pretty like generic rap playing because right. that just makes sense right um but in any other type of scene that you can imagine the hip-hop needs to be high energy it needs to have sounds that you're not necessarily used to hearing that will just like catch your ear right away in the scene right uh that's like kind of the main rule for hip-hop along with leave some space like let the other people let the let the show be the show you know mm. like leave space for dialogue right yeah. yeah and then the other thing that i at least my perception of of sync songs is that you want to try and get as many different songs in a song as you can right because if you have different sections of the song that you know they all fit together but they sound a little different then it gives you more at bats with that same song for different scenes or different synchronizations is that something that you focus on you don't need to be interviewing me you have you have all the answers that's <laughs> no. like the word for word that is exactly okay. right yeah yeah um as long as you're not destroying the flow of a song right and you're not like kind of just stitching shit together right having different vibes throughout the song will like increase your hit rate right because then you can do it to so many different scenes mm. and you know for the same song you can get you know six seven placements for it right yeah okay so I guess the structure now is that you and Oren or you and the artist, you work on songs, um, you get emails from the sync company saying we're looking for something with this kind of vibe, they might send you some references. And then you just start making the beats and like, what what goes in your head? Like, is it different? Is it a very different feeling from making, you know, the grand mess type music? Or is it like, like, what goes on in your head when you're making beats specifically for syncs? Yeah, it's it's super different. Um, it, it's super super different. So I don't get those emails that often from yeah. the sync agency. I'm just kind of my own. I'm my own boss in that way. That like I'll hear a song and I'll be like, hmm, this would do well for sync. Ah, okay. uh, and then I'll I'll you know I'll listen to those songs and I'll add them to all my playlists that I have that are like sync related. And um, then when I feel like I have the time or I need a break from from the grand mess or a break from working with like different artists on their project, 
I like, I tend to go to sync because it lives within those confines mm. that makes it like easier for me to work or funner for me to work when it's like, you know, it's 9 PM and I just had a whole day and I'm like, let me just make some, like some sync stuff. Um, so yeah, it's very, very different. I'll start usually with sync for like, especially hip hop. I'll start by trying to make a sound that just sounds unusual, mm, like right. processing something over and over again and trying to make it sound really, really unique. And then like for sync, it's gotta have, for sync hip hop, it's gotta have a bounce. Right. Like it's gotta have like a, 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 a like, you gotta be like stank facing your way through, <laughs> through, yeah. through that song if you want any type of uh, of hits with it. Okay. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask also about um, the different types of like, when they say yes, right? So from my experience, I've seen that sometimes you'll get songs that nothing happens sometimes you'll get songs where they decide to add it to like a catalog or a library somewhere and then beyond that is placement in an actual something is mm -hmm. that kind of accurate yeah um at this point i don't get songs where they say no oh, okay. think agencies <laughs> <laughs> that's what's up um yeah at, at this point i don't get songs that they say no just because i've built enough of a relationship with different with Jess and also with different sync agencies that I know that I know what they want. Mm. And I know when I make a song and it's, it's just not happening. I know to be like, no, okay, this is not, this is not the vibe. Um, so yeah, the, the, if you know, the next step, if you're at that step is, is that they added to their catalog um, to be pitched. Mm. And then at this point it lives in their, in their roster of the sync, the sync agency, it lives in their roster. And then music supervisors working for different shows will email the sync agencies. Uh, okay. And that's when they'll be like, Hey, we need confident. We need a confident female hip hop lead for this show on HBO. Right. And then the sync agency will look through their catalog and send all these, you know, these playlists of confident female lead hip hops right. to the uh, music supervisors. That's also where it's super important to have like a good relationship with your sync rep. Mm. Because if you're not like on your sync rep's radar, if you're not on their good side, because you've been harassing them and not sending any <laughs> new music or anything like that, like they're not gonna be inclined to put you on the playlist that they're sending. And yeah. also they're not gonna be inclined to put you on the top of the playlist. Mm. Like, and I'm sure you know more than everybody how important it is to be at the top right. of a playlist, right? <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of the, the, the really short form process of, of how getting your, your music pitched for okay. sync kind of happens. And yeah. then you wait, <laughs> you know, you wait. And, and um, Jess, a couple of months ago, like when it was like, I was not getting, not getting syncs. Um, she was like, do you want a, an Excel, spreadsheet of everything that i pitched you for oh you know wow. and it was like it is it can be discouraging because i was like damn you pitched me for like 85 shows and none of them said yes <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean um but then you you know i watched the shows and i was like all right let me see what they they have that i didn't or let me see what was you know what mm. was wrong or or maybe where my catalog maybe needs a little more boost like do they need more like slow r&b songs all right then let me make some of these you know, to kind of, to, to, to make sure that not a single playlist goes out without my name on it at mm. some point. Right. You know? yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome that, that you did take the initiative to try and figure out why, because instead of getting like discouraged or taking it personally or anything like that, you went and did research on what did work. Um, and that's, that's huge. I mean, that's a totally different mindset from someone who's not going to make it in this industry. And, yeah. you know, the other thing is, yeah, if you get 99 no's, but you get one yes, sometimes it only takes that one yes to like really make something happen. So, yeah, that yeah. persistence is everything. And with you becoming this like sync expert to where you know what's going to work, you know what not to send, what to send, what to make, um, that makes you incredibly valuable to the sync company uh, in addition to the relationship that you've built. So, I mean, that's you're in a really good position, it sounds like. The only question is what you want to do with it moving forward. So is this yeah. something you want to do kind of lifelong or do you plan on transitioning more into pushing the grand mess as like a solo artist? Like, what do you see for your future right now? 
both all of them all of them all of them all of it like i want to do i want to do all of it and i want to do it now like that's, <laughs> yeah that's like how it's been uh like yeah sync sync kind of happened almost by accident you know and um and i am i am in a really good position where i think that i bring value to the sync agency but they bring value to me you know like it's it's very much a a a, a mutually beneficial relationship um but moving forward i think that it's about keeping like it's about trying to bring everything to the grand mess mm. like making making you know my like we we put my name on boomin i just right. produced it but we put my name on it and kind of like bringing all of these avenues back to the grand mess and kind of you know leaning more into that and becoming more the grand mess now i'm releasing more music shot a music video for it um you is know i'm producing my face is in it so much man uh, <laughs> and be sick of it <laughs> um like um you're just doing doing all these things that are that are trying to like you know build a brand a little bit like a little bit like you're doing that i see you doing with nick the manager like you have the patreon going on you're managing oren you got the podcast going on like yeah. you're 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 bringing everything under kind of the same umbrella where it can all live together and and you know help each other out in this kind of like like symbiosis relationship right. so that's kind of the plan for the grand mess is to to bring it all together and to to make more shit that i want to make right within it yeah, yeah I, i mean i really like that and i'm always super supportive of especially artists but any kind of entrepreneur trying different things you know and seeing what they like seeing what they enjoy what works um and then yeah if you can keep it all kind of in the same realm you never know like what will feed into each other so yeah i mean i'll talk about myself for a second i, I manage oren and a couple other artists i have um the studio that i'm in now that i used uh to run as like rap house airbnb and we got jack harlow and earl sweatshirt and like some of those mm -hmm. people in here and that helps with my connections and then built up the patreon which um you know brings in some income brings in a community for when we start touring because now we got my patrons are all across the united states so we can hook up shows you know wherever um and then yeah the podcast is cool because i'm making like these personal conversations mm -hmm. these connections with people that you know eventually down the line i could you know connect with again and yeah it just all feeds into each other and it makes me a better manager honestly because yeah. it gives me more value more connections yeah absolutely yeah that's like that's a really like everything is feeding into itself right and like then it becomes exponential like it becomes so much more it becomes so much easier like right so are you thinking of doing um some shows now that things are starting to open up have you done shows before Yeah, I've done shows. I've done shows a lot of as, as a sideman, like playing keys, and I've done a couple shows as the Grand Mess. And now I'm trying to kind of bring that back out, um, like just like my own original music and everything. Like, I think it's really fun to to create a different experience too with it instead of just like playing the same thing, like rearranging things and making it like kind of more of a through and through experience. Mm. You know, like connecting in between songs and weaving in and out of stuff like that and and really like not kind of settling for just you know doing the same shit that's on on Spotify you know just kind of right. making it like a it's unique experience every single time yeah, yeah. that's that's so i mean that's so important because a lot of artists they get up there sometimes they don't even take their vocals out they just play their songs off of Spotify in front of a crowd and it can work if the music is good but they're paying for an experience. They want to, yeah. they want to see you as a person. Yeah. They want to connect with you. And if you're rearranging songs and giving them something special that they can only experience on that one night, that's, that's worth every penny. Dude, especially that last part, only experience on that one night. Right. Like the fact that that's something that a select few of people have lived makes it like that, especially in like our digital age right. like makes it that much more unique that only a select few people experienced that night right. of everything happening like that and like I, i've i've like i've stopped listening to artists fully after i saw them live because they just ruined it for me i was like no i'm done like i'm never like artists that i liked i was like yeah. i cannot listen to you and vice versa artists that i was like kind of lukewarm about them i saw them live right. and they just blew me away and i was like like i've never listened to florence and the machine i saw them live oh. and i was like this is insane bro like, she can she got pipes 
yeah yeah i heard um it was one of the songs i don't remember but it was uh the live version on spotify and is it my boy builds coffins no it's uh okay i'll send it to you after this but yeah it she blew me away and you're totally right like there are artists that if you just heard it on spotify it wouldn't really do anything but to see it and experience it in person um and just to see the the talent live like because there's something about seeing someone who's talented and has mastered a craft like piano or guitar or singing and just seeing them do it it's it's special because it's it's something you can't even imagine doing yourself yeah and and i think too that idea of like like seeing it live or seeing it different kind of ties into like the power of getting a good sync too Mm. like people will associate you know that song to the whole experience you know not only to 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 you know listening but to all their different senses you know and that makes for something that you'll remember and that makes it into even the cultural collective at some point you know right yeah and just to get into the weeds for a second um the spotify stats i've been looking at typically a 10 to 20 percent save ratio is good where (laughs) i know where you're going with this Um, so yeah for anyone listening if you put out a song and you get between 10 and 20 percent of people who listen save that's a pretty good song it's probably gonna do pretty well um your song bowman has i think it's between 80 and 90 percent saves like something ridiculous this morning my manager told me it was at 98 percent. oh my god yeah that's crazy and then yeah. the stream so and then streams to listeners usually about two to one is pretty good this has like five or something the last time i checked like people are looping it and saving it and at it's on 900 playlists already just organically like this is huge um yeah. and but yeah so your future looks great the grand mess is going to be awesome um, I want to take it back a little bit because I like to try and inspire the people listening who are still mm-hmm. on the come up. So like, mm-hmm. what were some of the tough times that you went through? Like, cause I mean, it's not easy and it's not glamorous being on no. this path. Yeah. Um, no, it's not, it's not easy. Uh, like I kind of want to preface this by saying that uh, I'm very fortunate in the sense that like, personally, there were times where I was like pretty broke, mm. but I never, I never had any like chance of ever being homeless or ever like not eating. Okay. Like I kind I kind of want to preface <laughs> anything with that because I think that it's important in that sense that I'm I'm very privileged mm-hmm. to to have that and to know that like I can take risks because I can fall back on you know something. Right. And I know that it's unfortunately not the case for a lot of people who are trying to make music. Um, right. So like that's the first part, and like my heart goes out to anybody who's listening who's in that position like yeah. i am like absolutely in awe of those people because i do i don't have the stomach i don't have the balls to i wouldn't have the balls to do that if i knew that like plan b was was a rough one right. um so that's kind of the first thing now that that's out of the way <laughs> um yeah i think the the like it's it just the universe works in mysterious ways um that seemed really calculated and there are periods there were months months and months and months of of, of my music career where I, the only thing i heard was was no mm. like over and over again and at first i was really really bad at dealing with those no's and that like takes a, like took a huge toll on my mental health like you just don't see the point and you you, you know you don't get out of bed or anything like that um and those were kind of like the the really hard parts like I remember I was writing music for the, this really really big company and I was like in the running and it was the first time I was in the running and you know the, the it was looking really good for my track and and it was going to be like a good payday where I wouldn't have to kind of live a little bohemian like for a <laughs> while and um you know I got cut I got cut like last last second from it and that type of stuff is like can be really really demoralizing and fucking the universe is kind of cruel that way in the sense that as soon as that happens other shit will start falling out mm-hmm. and uh so those have been like the, the the like kind of like really shit times about all that is when everything kind of seems like it's collapsing mm-hmm. uh, and then on the flip side you have these moments where like everything seems to be working yeah you know everything is like 
which you're catching me in one of those moments right, right now where, where, where everything seems to be working. And what I've learned over the years is to kind of uh, greet both moments as equally as possible. Hmm. Take the, 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 all the bad shit news as well as you take the good news. Mm-hmm. Like kind of like, like try to put them on a, on a pedestal and be like, okay, this happened now, keep moving. Right. Like this happened now, keep moving. This happened now, keep moving. And um, then you'll find yourself that like the, the highs won't be things that you'll necessarily look back on with like, like a nostalgic agony or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And the lows won't be things that you'll look back on being like, oh, this will never happen again. Like this was the lowest I was. Because you will find yourself like right back on that roller coaster, and like that shit will will beat you down really fast. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I gotta say that that is a very common theme throughout my podcast. Is that every entrepreneur I speak to in the music industry, it's a roller coaster, both in like career wise, success wise, but also emotionally. You know, because it's tied together so like when good things are happening when you finally get that sync placement or you book that show that you're trying to get or any of those like wins um the feeling is amazing because you feel like you're fired up you're on the right path you're you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and and something works and then the days where you know either something bad happens or even when nothing's happening you know those are the days that weigh on you and your mental health is affected by it like uh, what do I do? What's going on? I don't know if I sh- like you start to lose hope a little bit. Um, yeah, and it's, it's very common. And so some of the advice is always just like, try to take a step back and kind of see where you are now with respect to where you began, which is always zero. And so right. as long as you've made some progress since then, even if you're on a, a dip right now, you've still made progress and it helps you to kind of see the bigger picture. But you're totally right. You can't you can't focus on that stuff, whether it be good or bad, because there's always going to be good and bad. You know, it's always going to keep going. And it's always a cycle. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to make it your job, right? Like you're trying to make this your, your job. So treat it like a job. Like, you know, like some days you're going to get screamed on by like crazy Karens and you know, some days you're going to get a promotion and it's just like, yeah, man, you, you know, you live, you eat, you shit, you die, you know, in the end, like, (laughs) everybody's kind of in that situation something that i I do so one thing you said earlier was that you know your livelihood depending on your music makes it even more difficult and for Mm -hmm. a lot of artists you know you have to have a second job of some sort to be able to to pay for everything and with you you found kind of a unique way to have both a day job and pursue your music without your livelihood relying on the success of your music like the grand mm-hmm. mess like yeah. your day job is sync work and it's still yeah. music and it's yeah. you know it does have that up and down but i think that's really cool because you aren't relying on income from the grand mess you're relying on income from your day job which is syncs which is music yeah yeah which has it's like a double-edged sword in a way because mm. like there's no i was talking to a, a friend of mine who's uh, this this really really dope artist named casper jones um and he is his music is quite successful and and he's he, he's on the up and up and um but he has a, a job as a uh, real estate as well oh and uh he's like yeah i uh you know i do real estate when i need to his music is starting to pay now a lot more too but he's like yeah i do real estate when i need to and uh then i totally shut that world out oh. and i sit in my studio for you know hours and then i just work on my music when he sits on his, stu- at his studio chair, he's only working on one thing and that he knows what he's about to go sit. I get these moments of like absolute panic when I'm like walking towards my studio and I'm like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. Like yeah. what am, am I doing? Am I doing beat packs for, for all the rappers that I work with? Am I doing tracks for the pop artists that I work with? Am I doing sync stuff for this sync project or that sync project? Or oh shit, Oren asked me to do this for his record, you know, like, there's all these things that like i understand it's kind of like part of the you know part of the job but i think that having that lack of separation makes it really hard to kind of like sit down and 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 just like decide to dick around on like one synth patch for two hours because i'm like yeah i'm supposed to be making money right now like i'm not 
I'm not making anything from doing that. Yeah, that that is interesting. It's it's almost um similar to like uh people with non-music jobs when they start working from home, you know, because the home used to be the place you go after work and you relax and you just rest and there's no expectations. But once you start working from home, all of a sudden you don't have that other that sanctuary, you know. Yeah. And so for musicians who don't have a day job in music, the studio is their sanctuary. And for you, um, sometimes it is obviously, but other times, yeah, you do have that, you know, that panic of what do I work on? Because you are relying on music in a way to pay the bills. Um, so how do you, I mean, beyond balancing just that, how do you balance all of the stuff in your life right now? Like what's a, what's a normal week like for you? How do you keep it all together? <laughs> I don't, um, <laughs> um, I have this, I have this thing that that's like kind of a, a that my manager calls some kind of a daily hustle mm. and it's like just things that i should do on the daily for my artist project which is what we're trying to build so it's stuff that i should do for the grand mess so it's all the social stuff uh it's writing you know just like writing lyric idea writing whatever comes to my head and then it's spending two to three hours a day on grand mess songs Okay. And that's been kind of liberating in a way because it's like, oh yeah, no, it's part of my schedule. Mm. And if I don't, if I don't do anything good for the two to three hours, I still did the two to three hours, right? You know, and then I just, I just move on from that. So that's been kind of part of my day. So, like, I guess days like you, I wake up, I go get some coffee, and I write at like whatever coffee shop or park bench or whatever I can find. Mm. I write about three pages of just like random shit. It can be like, you know, I my i'm sore as hell i played basketball last night what the hell is going you know it's gonna be stupid stuff but then out of that like stupid stuff you kind of develop this relationship of like oh being be, starting something and being creative is easy you know so you don't look at it as such a daunting task mm -hmm. um yeah and then it's in, into the studio and anything that is like pressing like a pressing matter i try to like get to that first mm -hmm. like um you know getting getting mixes done for like if there's a sync coming out or or, you know, if I'm working on like a, a track for, for an artist on a label and they're asking for like, because they always ask for like a bunch of deliverables or anything like that, I'll make sure I send that out like in the early day. And then uh, then it's, yeah, it's spending those two, three hours kind of like banging my hand against the wall. And most of the time it's really bad until it's not, hmm. but it's really bad for a long time. <laughs> um, and then once kind of like that is done and my brain's a little fried is when I'll be able to kind of like, create more freely for other people hmm. like start making you know hip-hop beats for for if there's like an artist that i want to reach out to i've got to really fuck with i'll try and make him a beat pack or make them sorry a beat pack like just kind of geared towards the type of music they that they do and uh or and sync stuff hmm. like just kind of making a sync track making sure all the sync projects are moving sometimes i kind of imagine that i'm i'm pushing this really 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 long wall hmm. And that I, might, I might focus on one side of the wall too long. So I got to run to the other right. side and, and push that wall for a bit to make sure that everything's moving yeah. accordingly. There's no cracks in it. Yeah, that, that's that's a good analogy. The wall is like 50 different pieces that you have to push individually and you got to get them back yeah. and forth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then with like your personal life, though, beyond the music, oh, like gotcha. relationships, friendships, like how does that how do you balance that with this crazy work schedule where you're pretty much making music all day or you're doing something music related, reaching out to people? Um, mm. Cause it is tough to balance. And I've, I've come into it myself, like trying to maintain relationships and friendships and things fall through the cracks and it's very yeah. easy. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I have a very understanding girlfriend. That's awesome. That's like kind of the first thing um, that like, we and it, it's been a lot of work to try and like divide those two and to kind of like disconnect mm -hmm. from music sometimes and like try to not think about it or talk about it and that's like that's something i'm still figuring it out so should maybe next week's episode will help me on that um that's that's a thing i'm really really trying to figure out um as far as like friendships i'm lucky enough that most of my friendships are like like they're also musicians right or they're creatives and um what I've found has been kind of like beneficial for both of us is like you, you find a project that like you, you, you two can work on oh. together. You know what I mean? And like, it doesn't have to like, you, like 
you know like you'll start the session and you'll just like be like chopping shit up for like a bit you know and just like you know catching up and um but you know if you can kind of like tie in a project with them the hanging out kind of becomes like you think of the hanging out as productive so you kind of trick yourself into thinking that hanging out with this person is productive so you kind of like relax a little bit so that's been kind of my way out of that and it's led to some really really cool projects like the music video that we filmed like the amount of favors from friends that i asked was insane and everybody was just so down to to like hang yeah and to make something that was like creative and 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 you know uniquely theirs and whatever they were working on you know like like i'm not trying to step on anybody's toes because like you know a a director knows more about directing than i know about directing Mm -hmm. so let them like do their thing and and you know kind of like making sure that you keep those friendships you know by by trying to be creative with them so honestly i'm not the person to ask about that well no you are because i want to i want to understand how you do it and you know what goes through your mind but i gotta say it's i like the idea but it's kind of fucked up that you have to schedule friendship time you know and i have to do the same thing it's like when i want to connect with you know one of my artists ramosa like I have to send him my Calendly so that he can book a time to talk to me because it is like that. And, you know, even if it's just a friendly talk or a personal talk, like you have to, you have to set it in a schedule. Otherwise it's not going to happen because something else is going to come up and you got to switch over to that. And that's one of the issues or that I have with my girlfriend is like, we'll be ready to go somewhere like to dinner or something. And all of a sudden I get a text or a message. (laughs) It's like, hold on. I I need two minutes. I go to the studio and it's like an hour and she's upset yeah. and you know yeah. i feel bad but yeah it's it's a really difficult balance so that's why i just wanted to ask because uh i like to understand that other people are kind of going through similar stuff but yeah having projects that you can work on with your friends is a great excuse to hang and i think that's yeah. awesome yeah yeah that's that's been working a lot more for me lately is kind of like creating these excuses right. that can, you can kind of trick yourself into thinking that that is just work and it's like sure it's work but you're still like hanging with those people right yeah um yeah but yeah but also like the, the don't you find that you're more present when you schedule it like with the person yeah. you're just like you're just like no no this is what i'm doing now right and that's why i love the podcast because everything's off all my notifications are off i'm in this soundproof room nothing's getting in no sounds no distractions and it's just mm-hmm. you and me talking and having you know a real conversation um and yeah, man, thank you so much for taking the time. How can people yeah. find you? Is it the grand mess on everything? The grand mess on everything, Instagram, on TikTok. Right now, I started doing this series where I try to help people kind of like understand sync a little bit and go oh, through all yeah. these rules that we kind of went through. So uh, yeah, if you're if you're on there, I'm doing a whole series and I'm answering all the questions too. Uh, yeah, TikTok, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, don't, don't miss out on that, guys, especially if you know, I assume a lot of people are going to watch this to get information on syncs because they're interested. Don't miss out on that. The grand mess on TikTok answering questions about syncs as someone who's gotten multiple placements. So Alex, been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast. Um, Pleasure's all mine, man. And to, to many more wins with Oren. Absolutely.